Welcome to my podcast. I'm your host, Jen O'Sullivan. My desire is to help you on your personal wellness journey. You can find more of my resources over at jenosullivan.com or over at 31oils.com. All right, let's get started. So what I'd like to get into is this idea of are you being deceived? Now, I come from an industry where deception's pretty intense uh, with marketing and people trying to tell you one thing and it's really not true. Um, but what I'm going to be talking with you guys about today is the idea of deception from a little bit of a different perspective. Okay, so remember, I am speaking to you on my author page here on Facebook, not in our actual education group, which has our main group of about 230,000 people. Um, This is my platform to talk to you guys about everything I do, including my podcast. My podcast, I view that sort of an area for you guys to hear things that I'm thinking about business-wise, but also thinking about um, spiritually. Uh, you guys, many of you guys know that I run two other blogs that have nothing to do with my career, uh, but has everything to do with uh, how to be a, a better wife. That's one of my blogs. And another one is on um, God, like my theology thoughts, my thoughts about God. <laughs> so so those of you guys who, who know me from uh, Young Living and from educating you guys on health and wellness, Also, um, maybe this will be new to you. So stick around. You might learn something new, right? I always love I always love the idea of deception. Okay, so what is deception, right? And and when you think about deception, deception is really meant to make you think something is true, right? So deception generally speaking, is not like a magic trick, right? When you go into a magic trick, you sort of expect to be deceived. You almost are bummed out if you see the trick, right? Like you're sort of like, oh, you're not a good magician. So it's interesting to me when um, we think of deception, we kind of have this idea of like, well, nobody's really trying to deceive us. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, people are mostly good. right? I laugh a little bit because we know that that is not true. Um, we even think about people like maybe mentalists, right? You're starting to see that pop up. Uh, people that can kind of guess things based on your body language and how you're do what what's going on. But then you see it more um, severely in like psychics and even mediums, where then you start to really think, hmm, this could be true, right? The deception is so good that you start to think that there's some truth to this. Okay, so but when we look at all of the whole tricks and, and all of a sudden you might think it's true, What's funny to me is that we live in such a skeptical society, right? Our our nation here, even in the United States, is so skeptical about everything. But we're so good at thinking certain things are true when they're not. Right? It's like, what? Like, we think we're smart, but then we end up realizing, like, we weren't so smart. So take, like, fake news, for example. And I often think about fake news when I'm, you know, reading a title of a news article and I, I, I literally base my entire assumption of truth on the title alone. Right? But that conclusion, if you read the article, would have been completely false because it's not the whole story. So when we think about deception, we have to remember it is absolutely real. It's all around us and it is 100% meant to fool us. All right. So the reality of deception, though, is that it's it's not in the trickery or the clickbait, right? Because that's often like what we get into, like, ah, this craziness. It's, it's the, those things, that hype is what the marketers want us to fall for. But the true reality is that most believable deceivers, right, people that you believe are those who straight up passionately believe that what they are saying is in fact true, Okay, and this is where it gets really tricky. So from a spiritual perspective, you're going to see this in that name it and claim it theology, um, easy believism. A lot of us here in in the industry that I'm talking to right now, we get into this idea of um, prosperity gospel, right? Like if you're not the idea of like the universe needs to bring it to you and this idea of your thoughts and everything. And I've done, I hope, a pretty good job on past videos with you guys 
redeeming that concept. You know, there's some biblical truth there, but I think what has happened is you take something that is true and you twist it just enough. And now you're starting to deceive people and veer them off track. And I love it when I hear people talk about direction and, and points on the map. And if you have your, 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 compass right set to true north but then you just by one point are off well in the beginning it won't seem like you're off everything will seem just fine like if you're on a boat trying to get to california from say you know japan or something like that you're gonna be just fine but if you set your course just slightly off you're gonna end up in like a completely different area up in the North Pole, right? If you just were like one degree off, eventually that distance becomes so big that now you are grossly mistaken, right? And so that's where it gets interesting to me because if you start spreading the deception, right, that you think is totally true, then you not only become a deceiver yourself, but you're being deceived into thinking you're right, right? And and it's so frustrating because how then can you spot? How can you spot it? I, you know, this is a question I get all the time. Like, well, how do you know? And when you look at spirituality and religions of the world, everybody thinks they're right, right? I mean, that's just the way it goes. And so, what I want to do with you guys right now is just take a quick step back and kind of think from the perspective of we want to answer the questions. How do you know if you're being deceived? But also, how do you know if you're one of the deceivers? Because again, you know, magicians go into it knowing they're going to deceive you. <laughs> and that's part of the game. But honestly, I, I don't, I, and I think many companies that we deal with that are similar to ours, they're not like thinking they're deceiving anybody, right? I think that they've just veered so far off course that that's just the real their reality is the deception. And so, you know, and it's an interesting thing when you start to kind of listen to people and you're like, whoa, they really believe that they're speaking true truth. And it's just, it's a wild game. So I want to help you understand. So first of all, when it comes to spirituality, we need to look at a couple things. One, do you believe in God, right? So, you know, I can't really talk to you about spirituality if you really don't believe there's a God. So, <laughs> right, it's kind of like I can fight you on gravity all day long and say gravity is real. Um, and you could say, no, it's not. And I could say, well, okay, good luck taking a step off of that building, <laughs> right? Like, Gravity is real. It's true truth. So when it comes to physicality, physical things of this world, it's kind of hard to refute them. It's sort of like, you know, if you're blind and can't see the color of the sky, I can tell you the sky is blue all day long until I'm blue in the face and you would be like, it's black, <laughs> right? Like you just would not agree with me because your reality is different. So it's a, it's an interesting thing when we start to look at perspective. But the the thing I want to kind of, I guess, help you I guess, make sense of is this whole God thing. Because, you know, when I'm talking to um, agnostics, they're a little easier to talk to because they're kind of like, well, yeah, you know, there's something I just don't know what. But when I get in with my hardcore atheists, it's a very interesting conversation. So if you look at scientists, there's there's been several throughout history, there's been several scientists and journalists who have set out to disprove that there's a God. Literally, that was their main goal. So if you're talking to a scientist who's just a scientist who've just poo-pooed it but never has actually studied it, meaning decided they were going to disprove God, um, that's a different story. You know, I, I love some of my husbands, meaning I don't have lots of husbands, but some of my customers' husbands have set out to disprove that like oils don't work. And I love them for it because they always come back more excited about them than their wives. <laughs> so I'm always like, yes, please set out to disprove it. Because the moment you do that, and this is what has happened with all of these scientists and journalists who have set out to disprove God, is that they've come back believing in God. Because here's the, the reality. It is so much more hard. It's harder to believe in chance and accident than it is to believe in grand design. So take a quick look at your hands, right? Uh, take a quick look at a flower. It's crazy when you start to understand grand design 
You know, as an artist, as a designer myself, there's reasons, there's rhyme and reason for why we do things. If you're a musician, same thing, right? There's, if you think about science, right? Scientists have endlessly tried to create artificial intelligence. I watched a movie with my husband last night that was clearly science fiction. They were making replicas of humans. And he actually looked over at me and said, is this true? Like, can can we actually do this? (laughs) And I giggled. I was like, no. Yes, we've tried to create robots that sort of fake us into thinking they have a thought process, but they don't. There is no human who has ever been able to replicate another human, right, in in a lab, (laughs) scientifically. Uh, And so, like, from scratch, not with an egg and and a sperm, right? I mean, that, obviously. But what I'm talking about is artificial intelligence. It's impossible. And if you, you even consider the intricacies in our universe, right, and I think about, has a scientist been able to create a replica of an ant, right? That's the smallest thing to like the universe or the cell structure. Like when scientists really dig in and look at cell membranes and cell structure and all the things that are going on inside of a cell, it's sort of mind boggling. So from that tiny cell to a huge universe to deny there's some grand, grand designer involved is is a little wackadoo to me. You know, I mean, not to shame you if you really don't believe in God, but it's a much harder decision to not believe that there's a God than to believe there is a God. Okay, so that's first things first. And if you do believe in God, so let's now move forward, assuming you believe in God, um, and that then you have to kind of consider about God's word, right? And this is where it gets kind of like, okay, the next step if you believe in God, is to believe that God has a plan, right? If he's a grand designer, like how many of you guys, that's like your sole purpose in life is to figure out what your purpose in life is, right? It's like you sit there and think, why am I here? What what should I be doing, right? What should my career path be? Or what, you know, I mean, these are all the questions that we ask ourselves. And You can't then think God, who created this beautiful world with the tiny little ants to the huge, beautiful mountaintops that are more gorgeous than any human can create, right? I kind of laugh. I live in a very put-together portion of Orange County in Aliso Viejo, and, like, the shrubs are all, like, perfectly aligned, and the streets are disgustingly clean, and I'm thinking, every time I drive to the woods and go to beautiful, majestic, like, Yosemite, where, like, the roads had to be windy because we just kind of put them in in order to kind of match the mountains rather than digging through. But still, then you go hiking and it's God's majesty is so much prettier than we do. (laughs) Like, it's so interesting to me. But believing that God exists and that God created all of this and he's the grand designer, then what is his plan, right? That's a valid question to ask. And if we can start to think, okay, well, how can I know what his plan is? Okay, well, we know there's the Bible. Okay, so that's the other step, because here's the reality of the Bible. So many people um, have tried to discredit the Bible. Many religions, many Christian religions even, have tried to discredit the Bible. They've even come up with their own doctrine. And they'll complain, they'll, they'll literally claim and complain that the Bible has been distorted and changed. So again, if you do the research and you dig in a little bit, you'll find that the Bible is the most accurate book of any book on the planet throughout all of history. So we don't have time to discuss all of this, but it's something that is documented over and over and over again, that the veracity, the accuracy of the Bible itself is the most accurate book on the planet. Nothing has been changed. Okay, if anything, the people who are claiming those have been changed and for you to read their book their books are riddled with inaccuracies and change, like major change throughout the years. And so that's what's beautiful about the Bible is that it is the most accurate also to throughout time. So again, there's many books that you can read. I I noticed some of you guys putting in the comments some of the books there, so feel free to post those. Um, So the question then is, all right, if you believe in God and you believe that the Bible is God's word, 
then can you easily figure out if you're being deceived or if you're deceiving others? And I would say emphatically, yes, you can. Because for me, I would never want to deceive others, ever. It's really something my entire career is dedicated to, and many of you guys know that. Um, you know, I work in an industry that is steeped in deception and lies, <laughs> and and my goal has always been to shed light on the truth, right? Even when I find out that I'm wrong in something, you guys know I'm super quick to admit my wrongs and share the corrected truth, and that's always been my goal. Um, and so my question is, like, how can you check for sure? Really, how can you know with absolute certainty that you are not being deceived? And how can you be sure that you are not deceiving others? So what you want to do is you want to check it against what the Bible says. All of it. Okay, can I say that again? You need to check it against what the Bible says. All of it. And do you know how easy it is to make the Bible say what you want it to? Uh, This is sad, and I'm just sharing truth here. But a lot of pastors and people do this all the time. What they'll do is they'll take a verse out of context to spread their message. And so for me, this is why expository preaching is so important. Um, I would encourage you to find a pastor that teaches the whole Bible, one who takes a book chapter by chapter, and that means they can't skip awkward or hard to teach on verses, and they're not able to make a verse mean what they want it to mean, okay? So it's a very important concept, I think, for so many of you guys that you didn't even realize. If your pastor is a topical pastor and they're teaching on a topic, that's a very um, big indication, not necessarily true all the time, but a big indication that the verses might be taken out of context. So I want to give you an example. So how many times have you guys heard um, someone say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Um, You know, I'm sort of smiling right now with a little bit of... um, sarcasm, because that verse is probably one of the most wildly taken out of context verses. Um, I even know a very popular American pastor who uses this verse in his weight loss program. (laughs) Okay, and it's like, wait a minute, let's look at the verse in context. So I want you to go ahead and look that verse up today and read the context. It's Philippians 4.13. And I want you to read all of Philippians 4. And if you read the whole, the whole chapter surrounding that verse, you're going to notice that Paul, who's the author of that book to the Philippians, okay, he was talking specifically about God's provisions. He was saying how he could be content with Christ in any situation. So he wasn't talking about weight loss. He wasn't talking about making that sale. He, you know, he was talking about almost the opposite. Like, I can be content if I don't lose any weight. You know what I mean? Like, or I could be content if I don't make that sale. Like, I'm good. Whatever Christ throws at me. And that's what he was saying, whether I'm in prison or I'm not, you know, whether I'm doing well or not doing well, I'm good because I have Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, meaning I can be content in all things. (laughs) So it's like, how do we then take that verse and use it as a name it and claim it theology verse, which happens all the time. So as an author, you guys, this horrifies me. To take someone's writing completely out of context is not helpful. It isn't. It only harms the complete message. And so the, ver- the very first and best thing that you can do to guard yourself against deception, ready? Check it out. Open the Bible. Look it up, Right? If you're sitting in church and your pastor's sharing something with you, you should be reading along in the Bible, (laughs) okay? You should be checking out what the verses say up and down. And then if it doesn't make sense to you, you should go up to him and talk to him and say, I don't understand what you taught here because this is not what it looks like in the Bible to me, right? And sometimes you'll even hear them take words out and you're like, what? Okay, I want you to remember that you have to read your Bible and you have to read it often. Don't just go to the books that you like. You got to read the whole Bible to hear the whole story and to understand the whole plan. (laughs) Okay, so you think about this for a quick second. Satan has had over 6,000 years to perfect the art of deception with us humans. Um, He understands that this is war. 
we may not. We're kind of not even paying attention sometimes. And in in reality, his goal is not really to get droves and droves of people who already who are already dead, like walking dead, like zombies, right? He's not really interested in people who don't care about Christianity, right? He really isn't. People who are already like on their own program and and dead to some, you know, like you're you're kind of dead man walking, you're just not paying attention and you're you're not a Christian or at least you don't even claim it. He's not really concerned with them. They're kind of doing their they're they're walking the path of destruction fine on their own, right? You guys, his goal is to get droves and droves of people who are seeking answers, who are seeking truth, who are seeking Christ, okay? He wants those people to be deceived. So I want to look at a few verses here and write these down if you're a note taker and look them up and read them in context, okay? (laughs) So please be a good good digger and diver. We want you to research. The Bible calls it like being a good Berean. Um, Okay, so 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3. And this is about like what's going to be happening, right? So, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, right? Deceptions, even denying the master who brought them, them bringing upon themselves swift destruction and many will follow their sensuality. Okay, why do you think sensuality is in there? I mean, that's a weird word for us, but but think this through. Again, whenever you're looking at a, the Bible verse and you're thinking, what does that word mean and why is it there? Look it up. Okay, Blue Letter Bible is a really good place to go in and see what the original meaning was. But many will follow their sensuality, meaning it just looks and feels right, right? It feels good. It feels like truth. <laughs> and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. Okay, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. So this sort of in my mind, right, when I read this over and over again, thinking this sort of seems like these people know they're deceiving us. But that's that's the interesting thing. When you start to understand Satan and his design and what he wants to do is that he's deceiving people so that they believe what they're teaching is true. They don't think like these these easy believism preachers and these people who are teaching you things that are just wrong. And I'm not going to name names here. If you are curious to see um, who I feel is really deceiving the nations right now, you're welcome to message me. Okay, Um, but when we look at this, it's that these people are just people. And I think that's where it gets curious to me is that we all are sinners. We all, none of us are perfect. None. And so these things creep in pretty easily. And that's where I think we can be deceived into thinking what we're teaching is true. So then look up 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And again, I get, I read this thinking, you know, I've read this over and over again in in the past years and thinking like, this seems like they know what they're doing, but think this through again. Now it says, and no wonder even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Remember, nobody's setting out to deceive people, but when they're deceived into thinking something's true, they're going to spread that false truth. And that is Satan laughing all the way to the bank. All right. So if it um, so so it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, their end will correspond to their deeds. So remember, nobody's sitting there saying I'm a servant of Satan, right? (laughs) They're just not saying that. It's that he is deceiving them into thinking what they are teaching is, is true truth. And they're moving forward as his servants, not even knowing it. And they're just, they, they're just saying, look, I'm, I'm righteous. We see this time and time again with certain TV evangelists, with people who have just led themselves straight to destruction. And we've seen it like time and time again. So, okay, read the whole verse, verses, whole chapters surrounding that. All right, Mark 13, 22, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, 
If possible, you, Christian, the elect, a person who is a child of God. That's super scary to me. So my question is, again, how do you know if you are one of the deceived or one who is deceiving others? All right, so Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I don't know how many times I tell you guys to do this in even just our health and wellness programs that we do. Check it out. See if it's true research it. So many of you guys are constantly messaging me with a, look at what so-and-so saying, look at this, look at that, you know, and I know many of you guys who maybe are new to me when I share some concept, go to other educators and like, is what she's saying true, right? Like you guys freak out. And like, my question to you is why are you not digging in? Why are you not researching it yourself? Why are we so easily swayed or not swayed or easily thought, I don't think she's telling me the truth, (laughs) you know? So I want you to be somebody who is testing things and looking at it from a scriptural perspective to to discern what is the will of God. And that's through a lot of prayer and a lot of reading in the Bible. All right. So I encourage you to do, and I'm going to give you some real world stuff here. I'm going to encourage you guys to do what I call a fruit audit. Um, there's, it's a 20, like very simple 22 question test. (laughs) I'm all about like, like checking things out and digging a little bit deeper because I want to help you figure this out for yourself. Um, this is between you and God. All right. There is no judgment on my part. It's interesting. Whenever I bring up this subject, people always like get real nervous. Like, oh, I wonder if she thinks I'm not a Christian. I, you know, that's between you and God. There's no reason for me to even judge that. The reason this is so important to me is because um, I was one of those people that was deceived. Okay. Very egregiously so straight up worst thing ever, teaching wrong gospel, teaching bad theology. Um, I thought 100% that I was saved, and I was not at all. Okay, so I want you to, if you want, check out my testimony. Um, you can go to holyjustlove.com forward slash testimony dash Jen. Um, that's, or you can just go to holyjustlove.com and look up about and you'll see it there. Um, but for me, it was important for me to dig in because when it started to become clear that for some reason something was off and that was all it was, it was a something's off. I dug in, I dug in doing a fruit audit. So I'm going to really quickly go through them with you. Uh, And this is for you. This is for you. This is not to make you feel like you're now tripping. This is for you to check to see if you're of the faith, right? Check to see if you're growing. That's what we want. That's fruit, right? Are you, do you have fruit or do you have nothing? Are you a dead man walking and don't even realize it? You know? Okay. So number one is, is your character in, in keeping with the fruit of the spirit. And this is a hard one for many of us because you can't get all those. It's like almost impossible to, you know, loving and kind and gentle. And like it's like all those things you're like, whoa, you know, that's a big, big deal. But is your character in keeping with that? Is that something you strive for? So you can look that up, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Um, number two is, do you walk by the Spirit? And that's Galatians 5, 16 through 26. And and again, read the verse, because the verse is going to do much better than I would be explaining it. Number three, do you actively make disciples? Uh, you know, Matthew 28, 19. And again, this isn't, you know, I have this discussion with my husband all the time. Um, actively making disciples might look different for you than it does for me, right? If, if for me, it's sharing out here, right? That's helping people grow in Christ. For someone else who's very gregarious, because I'm not really like a people person, I have like a hard time peopling, like when I'm actually in public. Um, But some people, they love that. They can go to like the mall and just start talking with people. And you know who those people are, right? They're just really extemporaneous and gregarious and they love people and they love talking to them. And that's their method. Um, If you read Acts, you'll see that there were multiple types of people. It wasn't like it wasn't like one charge for all of us to be sharing the gospel the exact same way, right? The goal is to make disciples. So that might mean one-on-one discipleship, which is what I participate in mostly. Um, Some of you guys, it's 
not one-on-one because you're afraid of people in a way that is so big that that wouldn't make sense to you. And so one of the spiritual gifts when it comes to disciple making might be giving money. Did you know that? Like, that's an interesting thing to think of. Someone like my husband, who has severe, like, hyper, like, he gets really freaked out around people, (laughs) um, couldn't even imagine sharing the gospel with somebody. And so one of his gifts is giving money. And that's a big thing, right? He gives a lot of money (laughs) to the church. And the guy's not even a Christian. But that's one of the things that I keep telling him, like, one of your gifts is your generosity. And, um, and that is making that we are funding people to go over to Japan, we are funding people to go all over the place, because that's making disciples, you know, if you can't do it yourself, some of you guys are too sick, right? So how can you how can you make disciples in a different way? So there's not one size fits all. So don't let that one trip you up. Do you love God with all that you are? (laughs) Okay, read Matthew 22, 38. um, You'll see that one. Uh, do you crave, so this is number five, do you crave the word of God? And, um, this is an interesting one. When you get saved, like there's something weird that happens. Like your spirit craves the word of God. Even if you're not a reader, you'll like listen to it. So you can look up first Peter, um, two, two through three, Romans seven, 22, John eight, 47 and Matthew five, six. Um, these will all be on my blog, um, the holy just love one. So you'll be able to, to see those as well. Uh, number six, do you keep his commands? This one is, is, I don't know why so hard for people, but Exodus 20, they're still in play, (laughs) right? And Jesus upped it, you know, don't murder someone even in your heart, right? If you're angry, or if you're lustful after someone in your heart, you've just committed adultery. And it's like, ah, so just saying, you know, this isn't works theology, that is not what I am preaching here. But this is an audit to say, like, generally speaking, do you at least try to keep his commands. Like, is that something that's on your heart? Um, and this is the number seven is, is God's law written on your heart? And that was a funny shift for me. And this is Jeremiah 31, 33 and Hebrews eight, six through 13. When I got saved, that was a reality for me. That was a big shift. You know, I knew the Bible really well, or at least I thought I did. Um, and I was very involved in church. I was on missions trips. I was like the worship director at my church for a very long time. I mean, I did a lot of things in the church and was considered one of the church leaders. And when I finally realized that I wasn't saved and when God actually gripped my heart and saved me, there was a big shift of his law being written on my heart. And what I mean by that, and I'll just give you an example. One of his laws is you shouldn't lie, Right. And I was a really good liar. Not going to lie, I was a really good liar, right? <laughs> um, one of the things that I was good at that people knew is that I could get in or out of any situation through very crafty lying. I, I was very good at it, like exceptionally good at it. And um, I got saved and I, it was so wild for me because I couldn't lie. Like even if I told like a sort of a exaggeration lie, you know, where the fish was bigger than it actually was. I was constantly correcting myself in the beginning. It was like the Holy Spirit was like, Mm-mm, because you were so good at it, you're not. The law's written on your heart now. And I'd be like, oh, no, it wasn't 12 and a half inches. It was like 12 and like a quarter inch, <laughs> like that kind of thing. It was like, I couldn't lie at all. And I still can't. I have a really hard time. Like when I share a story with somebody and I'm like, that's not the exact truth. And it's something that doesn't even matter. I have to correct myself because that's how interesting it is to me that like the law is written on my heart. I can't get away from it. It is not something that I have to memorize anymore. It's just there. And I feel it, you guys. I feel it quickly, swiftly with force when when one of, when I'm breaking one of the laws. Okay, so that's a big one for me at least. Um, number eight, do you grow in wisdom or just knowledge? So look up James 1 15. So many of us are seeking knowledge. Uh, many of you guys follow me because you're seeking knowledge and you want to know things and know more. But wisdom is different, right? Wisdom is understanding God's will. And so if you're considering your growth are you asking for more knowledge or are you asking for more wisdom to discern God's will in your life? 
Um, there's a difference between it because knowledge is sort of a head thing and like a prideful thing and a me thing, whereas wisdom is more of a God thing. It's like takes it off of me. So that's also a big one. Okay, number nine, do you love others? That was a rough one for me because I'm a people hater. I'm just going to be real with you guys. I hate people. I have a hard time with it. This is why I don't pe- I don't people well, right? And I had a big disdain for people. It was just a constant running tape in my head of like, I'm right. Look at those idiots. Look at how like great I am. Like, I mean, that was what my mind was constantly doing. Um, when I got saved, so you can look up First John 4, 7 through 12. It was like wild. It was a trip. I remember in my head just seeing people through Christ's eyes. It was like the Holy Spirit inside me caused me to love others in such a weird way. It was like all of the sudden my enemies became people I wanted to pray for. Like that is so anti everything I was. And I thought I was a Christian, right? Like this is crazy. And so that's, again, it's hard to to help you understand. I'm hoping this is, this was my journey. Um, And so I don't ever want to put my journey on the gospel message, but I want to help you understand how I was able to understand looking back, like the biggest difference in the shift of what it feels like to have the Holy Spirit inside you compared to not having the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you right now with confidence, I have probably over 70% of the people I know who think they're saved aren't. And again, that is just a guesstimate based on fruits, (laughs) right? And, you know, ah, I I want you to consider it. I want you to think, could I not be saved? Like, I want you to have 2,000% assurance that you're saved. And I was always questioning it. I was always like, Oh, I wonder if I'm actually saved. I feel really guilty. And then people will say, Oh, that's just Satan. That's just Satan in your head. And and what's interesting, you guys is Satan is not in my head anymore. That's a lie. That is something that Satan wants you to think, Oh, it's just Satan in your head. You're saved, honey. Honestly, I had that over and over again. Not anymore. It's, it's, a, I am totally sure that I'm saved now and I want that for you. So if there's even a glimmer of doubt, this should be helpful for you. Okay. All right. Moving on. Um, do you love your enemy? And I, 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 you know, we talked about loving others and then moving into do you love your enemy? Um, and that was a natural thing for me and that was never a natural thing for me. And it is to this day. So many people of you know. I have many enemies. Many of you guys pray for me because you know, you see the lies that are spread about me. And I've had to really think about that and think, where am I culpable, right? Where have I promoted maybe these issues? But then I look at it from the perspective of that person who's spreading these hateful lies about me is hurting and they need salvation. They need prayer. They need blessings in their life. So that's what I do. I pray for them. I pr- and some of you guys think I'm crazy. I know some of you, my girlfriends who aren't Christians have like, you're like, I just, ugh, like, I just want to like punch those girls in the face. And I, I'm like, just pray for them. Okay. And, and, and many of them are Christians or maybe claim Christianity and who knows, right? Maybe they're not saved or maybe they are. And they're just really having a hard time. <laughs> so I'm going to pray for them. That's the best I can do. All right. So are you praying for your enemies? Um, do you have a love affair with the world? This is a big one for many people. So 1 John 2, um, 15 through 17 and John 15, 19, because oftentimes, even as Christians, we get caught up in like the trappings of this world. And that won't necessarily mean you're a Christian or not, but you'll know if you feel like your whole world is driven to money and success and things you know, what are the things that you're constantly searching for? I, I, you know, one of the things I know one of my pastors has said in the past is look at your checkbook and your calendar and you can see where your idols are. You know, if, if your checkbook, where are you spending your money? Uh, if your time, where are you spending your time? And you'll see, um, if you have a love affair with the world. So it's, it's hard, but something to consider. Um, All right. Number 12. I had this discussion with my husband today at lunch. Are you politically correct when it comes to Jesus and your friends, family, and coworkers? So look at Matthew 10, 32 through 33, or 2 Corinthians 5, 20. 
Um, one of the things is, um, and, and there's another one down here too, but this has something to do with it. It's sort of like, do you not talk about Jesus in mixed circles? Cause you feel like you're not being, poli- you know, ah, I gotta be politically correct. <laughs> um, it's interesting to consider. All right. Number 13, do you have chronic sin? First John three, six through 10. So what that looks like is, um, you know, people ask this all the time, like what can constitute chronic sin? Like what? What does it mean chronic? <laughs> okay, well, acute is something that's happening for a small amount of time. What does that mean? I don't know. I have a cold, and a cold might last for three or four days. But if I had a chronic cold, I need to go to the hospital, right? Because I could get pneumonia, or it could be something completely different. People typically don't get chronic colds. It means there's something deeper happening there. So something chronic means it is constant. It is just something that is never ending. And so that's where I want you to consider the habits that you're that you're forming. So again, no judgment. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, so I'm not entirely sure where any of you guys are, but I want you to consider um, certain sins, right? Do you gossip all the time and feel no, you don't feel like it's a problem. Like you literally just, that's who you are and you just like the drama and you like to gossip and and it just doesn't feel bad to you. It feels fine. Right? That would be chronic sin. Um, are you sleeping with someone outside of wedlock? Okay, that is considered chronic sin. And if you're not willing to give it up, and that was where I was. I've told you guys this before. I, you know, I thought I was saved. I was dating an unbeliever, um, my husband now. Um, I thought it was an antiquated thing, and I was fine. Like, I was sleeping with my boyfriend. And he was my fiance, and he was going to soon become my husband, and all would be forgiven. I, I really justified it that way, and I have many friends that have. I've had, I've had, I've lost friends over this one um, because they think, well, who are you to, to judge me? And I'm like, I'm not judging you. I'm telling you what happened to me. You're going down that same path, and you know, if one thing that we'll get into just in one second is the t- discipline, right? So when you have chronic sin, so number 14, so number 13 is, do you have chronic sin? But number 14 is, are you getting disciplined by God? So look at Hebrews 12, three through 11. And that idea of I'm having chronic sin, right? When I sin, when I do something wrong, like I gossip and I'm like, oh, shoot, or I say a bad word, I'm like, oh, shoot, right? Or I, or I mean, to someone, which happens quite often. And I'm like, ah, oh, right. It's a constant like knife in my heart. I feel horrible. I ask for forgiveness. Please, Lord, sanctify me in this. Help me have kindness. That's like in my prayer journal every day. It's like, help me to be kind, you know, because I'm, I'm a red who tends to be really like aggressively, like just blah, <laughs> like I say things wrong. And then I'm like, ah, oh. so it's, it's one of those things that with chronic sin, I used to think nothing of it. That's just who I am. You know, if that's you and you just think, well, that's just who I am, then I would consider maybe that's a chronic sin. If you are sleeping with someone and you feel like that you're totally fine to do that, I would I would um, challenge you on your salvation. I would. If you were my friend and we were sitting here having a conversation and you are sleeping with your boyfriend and you feel like you're justified to do so, Um, I would challenge your salvation as a girlfriend. I would, honestly, Um, because it is something God says not to do. So, right. And so if you mess up, I know I do have a girlfriend who that happened with where like they they started having sex and then she realized she started feeling really guilty about it. She's like, this is bad. And she started telling her girlfriends, like, what do I do? And we were, a lot of us were having conversation about it. And, um, she was both of them, both of them were like, we messed up. We're not, that's it. And they didn't, they stopped until they got married. And they, you know, it was one of those things where like the Holy spirit was like, it, it, you only know what you know, and you go so far and then you like, Oh, I messed up. I'm not doing this right. And the Holy Spirit convicts you. So that's discipline. So that Hebrews 12, 3, um, 12, 3 through 11 is a big one. Because think this through for a second. If I've got Jacob and his buddy over here, and they get in trouble, and they get into trouble, I might yell at them both. But I will send that other kid home to get a spanking, right? Like, like if, I, if I'm a spanking mom, right? It, you know, when he was little, I, he would get spankings. Um, not anymore. He's 11. He would laugh at me. But it was like... 
I would discipline my own son. I couldn't say to the kid next door, give me your phone. I'm taking away your phone. No media for you, right? He's not my kid. So I don't have the right to discipline him. I could yell at him or say, hey, that's not a, a, you shouldn't be doing that. And he might be like, whatever, lady, right? And then run home. But as a parent, you discipline your kids. You don't discipline your neighbor's kids. God does the same thing with us. So if you see you're in chronic sin, so this is a really good litmus test. If So we'll just go back to like something like obvious, like you're sleeping with your boyfriend. And you're not getting disciplined by God. Chances are you're not saved. Right? If you're cheating on your taxes, not getting disciplined by God, chances are you're not saved. If you're committing... I don't know, insurance fraud. I see this happen all the time with some of my girlfriends where like a fire happens and, and like, you know, they claim that they need to repaint their entire house because there's smoke damage when they were like at the tail end of the fire and there's nothing wrong with their house. And they claim that and they get this big check for $30,000 and then they like don't paint the house. They buy all new furniture or something like that. Right. I mean, like I've seen that happen and I'm like, what? You just, you just committed insurance fraud. And nothing happens, meaning no discipline. They get away with it. So if you are getting away with actual lying, cheating, stealing, adultery, whatever, and you're not being disciplined, chances are you're not saved. Again, I'm just trying to shed some light here on some realities, and some of you will hate me for it. But um, Christ was clear. The world hated him, and the world will hate you if you are one of his mouthpieces. It is just the way it goes. Um, so number 15 is, do you get tested by God? James 1, 2 through 3, and 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. Being tested by God is a big deal. Many of us pray not to be tested, but you guys, testing is what grows your faith. Testing is what makes you a better person. It's what strengthens you. So I just encourage you to, to want that because I want to grow. And I know it's going to be painful, um, and the tests, they come, and I'm thankful for them because I, I know I'm, I'm a child of God because he wants me to grow. Um, all right, so are you instantly convicted when you sin? That's John 16, 7 through 11, and that goes back to that sin, like, ah, like, are you instantly convicted or do you not really feel convicted at all? That's the Holy Spirit not in you. If you're not being convicted, it's the Holy Spirit in you if you are convicted. Um, all right, number 17, do you get persecuted for your faith? <laughs> like like all day long here, people. Um, 2 Timothy 3.12, John 15.18, 1 Peter 4.12-14, 1 Peter 3.14, Matthew 5.10. Those are just a few verses for you to look up. But um, I think so many of us are afraid to be persecuted for our faith. And we live in a very interesting society now where like your faith is not persecuted, right? It's kind of like United States of America is like, yay, everybody just do what they want. But if you think about the one, what is the one religion that is the most put down? Not any other religion. Honestly, look at all the other religions. <laughs> Nobody's really attacked except for Christianity. Um, why do you think that is? right? Satan, Satan doesn't want to attack the distraction. He wants to attack the real thing. All right. Um, number 18, are you hated by some, some people because of your faith? Faith. I know I am. I know I'm very much so hated by people because of my faith. Um, I've lost businesses over it. Uh, so look up first John three thirteen or Luke six twenty two. Number 19, do you see a changed life? Look at Ezekiel 36, 25 through 26. Do you see a different heart? Are, are you a different person? Are you changed? Right? Um, that's a big one too. Is your spiritual life different from last year? So look at like last year, this time, do you feel like you've grown or changed or are different or better in any way? And are you, are you growing? So look at Colossians 1, 9 through 10 and 2 Peter 3, 18. Uh, number 21, um, do you find assurance or conviction when you read the entire book of 1 John? So go ahead and do that today. It's just five short chapters, very easy, but um, it'll either th convict you or give you insurance. Um, and lastly, number 22, could a friend, okay, or a close family member who is not a follower of Christ convict you of being a Christian, right? You hear this a lot. It's kind of interesting to think about, like, do you kind of keep your faith to yourself? Do, do people even know that you're saved? 
um, or a Christian or that you follow Christ. So look up 1 John um, 5.19, Colossians 4, 5 through 6, and 1 Corinthians 1, 21 through 23. So um, my goal in all of this is to hope, hope that you would be blessed through this, to either be blessed with assurance of salvation or be blessed through conviction of non-salvation, right? So that you can then truly give your entire life to Christ. And we don't want to look at easy believism. It's not like I got my ticket into heaven when I was 13 and I got baptized and we're good. That is not that this, this is something completely different. That is nothing. That is not biblical gospel. Okay, biblical gospel is a completely changed life. You are a different person, right? The old has gone, the new has come. Your heart is no longer a heart of stone. You have changed. Your life is now no longer your own. You are now living for Christ, right? It's why I teach on a platform that some of you guys are like, stay in your lane. Why aren't you teaching us about all the products that you normally teach us about and all the health stuff? Because this is more important. At the end of the day, it's more important for me to help Even one of you have assurance of salvation. Even one of you. What a blessing it would be for one of you to realize I'm not saved. Holy Spirit, please fill me with your love, conviction. I need assurance. God, reveal yourself to me. There is no sinner's prayer. If you think that's true, that is man's theology. That is easy believism. If you walked your child through a sinner's prayer and now you think you're good, let me tell you, friend, you're not and they're not. And that's doing a big disservice to the gospel message of Christ because the gospel message of Christ is hard. It is not easy. Nothing easy about it. They hated him. They will hate us. (laughs) Okay. It is not the easy road. So I'm just encouraging you guys to get it right because guess what? Christ is coming soon. He is. And he's not coming as a meek guy who's going to get crucified on the cross. He's coming as the savior of the world in charge. And don't you want to be on the right side of that war? Because we know how that war ends and he wins. And there will be droves and droves and droves of people saying, "Uh, wait a minute, I thought we were good. I thought I was in. And he will say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. And you'll be like, what? And it will be the most shocking moment of your entire life. So get it right now while you can. Don't wait. Don't say I'm going to come back to this. Use the next hour to sit down and pray with God and figure it out. Figure it out. Okay, if you want prayer from me or if you want a free Bible, uh, my husband and I send free Bibles to people who need them. Uh, I want you to contact me at jen at jenosullivan.com. If you're on Facebook, you can simply message me. It's better to message me on my author page here because they're not, um, they won't go to spam. Uh, my main page, usually it goes to spam. But I would be honored to help you get one step closer to Jesus today. Okay, so that is my goal. And I appreciate you guys hanging out with me for this past hour. Um, I love you all. I thank you again. And um, blessings to you for sure. I really, I want you to get this right. Okay. All right. Take care you guys. Bye.